Good evening, and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Ron Young. Ron, how are you? I'm well, thanks. I wanted to have you back on. I know you got a couple things going on in the, in the Little Caesar camp. Been a busier year, a lot of reissues, some really yeah. good music. Yeah, putting stuff back out that, you know, the 15 people that bought it the first time around, maybe we can get another 15. It really be ah. out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the size of my audience. So you get an extra 15 people from my audience will bring it into you, too. So uh, oh, it's a, a joke. <laughs> Shall we do it into our man? That's if we have to, right? That's no. if we have to. No, yeah. On a serious yeah. note, it's some good stuff. It, I've, I've been listening to it. I like, the, I like it. Some bonus tracks on it. I'm talking about the newest one, uh, American Dream. But you just put out, what was the last one you did? You did. I can't well, first, first we did uh, um, Redemption. Redemption, we, yes. We, re- we released that. And we put some live tracks, corresponding live tracks to some of the studio tracks. And then did the same with American Dream. And coming out on August 26th, we've got a re-release of This Time It's Different, which is a collection of demos and alternates and um, obscure kind of stuff that we've had. It was originally put out on uh, when Earl Slick was in the band. Mm -hmm. He he started a little record label and needed something to just get some stuff out. So we kind of rounded all this stuff up and it, you know. It, it didn't see much light of day when we first released it, and it's been kind of a collector's item. So we decided to reissue that as well, remaster it, re-release re, re it. Well, it's nice being re-released because you have a lot more stuff now, like on iTunes before or anything. Yeah. You, I mean, also, I looked at it recently. I'm like, I forgot. I, didn't, I know you had releases, but then I looked. I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff now for you guys on there. Yeah, it's no, nice. we're up to like eight albums. You know, it's like yeah. we're getting ready to do a tour, and it's so hard to pick. And make everybody happy. And you can never make people happy. They're like, well, you didn't do this and that and this. I'm like, we can't play. We're not Bruce Springsteen. We're not going to play for three hours, man. I well, mean, it's like, well, know, so. Bruce isn't making people happy anyhow lately. No, so. they, they, no, 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 no. He's not. But, you know, <laughs> I guess at this point, you know. It's like it matters. Well, I've read you, you, you. I see you on social media, so I know you're not worried about making people happy either with your jokes. Oh, I know. I'm such a grenade pin puller <laughs> all the time. It's. You have to be, you know. It's supposed to try to make people think. And I well, try it's pretty, it's pretty it funny. I try to do it all in a sense of humor. I know you do. I know you do. I so laugh. I'll, I'll throw it my two cents in. Laugh at it. Make it a little bit more lighthearted. You know, point out the silliness and some of the shit we take way too seriously, you know. And so, it, yeah, it's fun. It's my little mission in life. <laughs> it is fun. I think the last one, though, was kind of, neat, kind of actually a neat point was the, the struggle of uh, lip syncing. Oh, yes. yes. My commentary, I've got a real pet peeve. Um, Because, you know, listen, I'm I'm in the group of bands who are still, I don't have, we don't bring any crew out. We we set up our own gear and we're doing everything cut right to the bone because we just love doing it and get out. Mm -hmm. And you got these bands that are out there that, you know, let's face it, we're, we're all getting up there in years and some singers have not taken care of their voice very well. And, you know, so be it. And they really should hang it up. I'm not going to mention any names, but we see their videos all the time. And yet they still go out and people granted, they buy tickets to go see them and they give them a pass. But for the countless other bands that work their ass off in rehearsals and keep themselves in shape and, still feel like they really have integrity that they're going out there and still delivering it to me it's just really a money grab uh it's a it's a money grab slash people can't come to terms with their retirement and you know i'm no spring chicken i know there's i only have a certain number of tours left in me but it makes me work harder and i think in in general they're for the listen, there's always the diehard fans that are always going to come out. Music is still a huge portion of their life, but especially after COVID, mm-hmm. when people have kind of picked up new lifestyles, more streaming, everything else, a little right. concerned about going out in the crowd. There's a lot of people that it's hard to get out there. And if the general rule is that a lot of these bands are not what they need <coughs> to be, that they can't really deliver it, they're like, why, well, why should I go out? And it's just going to be, you know, and and. I just spoke to a lot of musicians who quietly say they're really frustrated by these other bands from the same sort of time period 
going out there and it's like, dude, I, I would love to be like 30 pounds overweight because that means I can keep eating my donuts and everything else. But and, and sing every third song. I, let me tell you. Let me let me add to that. Yeah, let the I went to a certain I, yeah, I went yeah. to a certain I, I went to the um and actually I avoided COVID all this whole time and I just I just finally got it. So hurry for me. Um finally. Finally, <laughs> yeah. Finally, right? I'm still in the unscathed, but I know I escaped up until this past week. So let me say, so I don't like going to big places a lot just to begin with. I'm not a fan of people, but I usually if I go out, I go to shows. Saw the stadium tour, right? I've never seen Def Leppard. Wanted to see Def Leppard. I got it as a gift a couple years ago, you know, forever. I'm in New England. We drive out to Boston. Now, whether I'm a fan of the other bands so much or not, all three of the bands sang live. And they were fantastic. They sang to what their music is, you know? Yeah. I'm not gonna knock. I'm not gonna knock anybody. Joan Jett sounded like Joan Jett. You know, Poison came out and they really worked it. I heard live Poison's, and they, Poison's really nailing. Yeah, yeah. they did a good job. I mean, with sober and you know making sacrifices. Let's see. CC is a good guitar player. I think CC is actually um, a decent guitar player. Nobody really thinks about his leads. He's a pretty pretty good guitar player. Actually, like interesting leads. You know, um, but as far as the band goes, they all put it out there. Def Leppard did a really good job. They did doing a stadium concert. They opened with like. A brand new song. Who opens? I mean, I give them props oh, yeah, for opening. Yeah, yeah. How oh, do you... that's, that's where bands lose their way. They I know, but want. <laughs> but everybody loved it. They opened with a brand new song off a new album. Well, there you go. And good for them. That is so cool. But even when they delivered the goods, so they they, they did the hits. They did. It, they sang. They loved it. It was good. No, no, um, no. Tr- you could hear a little wobble in the voice once in a while. You knew it was it was live. Right. Stayed on. Motley Crue came on. Band sounded, I think, fine for part of it. It was just so hot and humid. I feel like it was at 2,000 degrees. You know, they filled the place with like some kind of sulfur smoke to like from effect, which was just too much. After already being in the, the humidity, I thought I was right. going to die. And then they, the band went on. It was Vince doing a Sam Wall singing every couple things. It felt like he was kind of off key again or muddled in the sound. And I was like, I saw that back in like Dr. Feelgood, so I know what he can sound like, you know. And when you – he had time to get ready for this tour. He had a lot of time. Oh, he had plenty of time. And the sound and, could and have been there better. Was big, there was a big thing about it, him going to personal training and all that. And, right. You know, listen, I, it's like I'm acquaintance Tommy Lee's, and I know he got caught playing some tracks and stuff. And I get it. He was injured. And, you know, certain flexibilities right. on certain things to keep a tour, which is once you're out there, it's a major commitment. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But there's really no excuse for somebody just not. I just find it disrespectful. Well, that's what I'm saying. The rest of the band's playing. You know what I mean? Tommy yeah, and Nicky. And Nick is a star, but yeah. Vince just had to. He, I don't even. I don't care if he ran around because you're older. You get winded. I'd rather him yeah. stand there oh, and yeah, sing. No, I, just stand I, there I, and I sing. Dude, I'm up there in two knee braces in a back brace. I'm right, right. Running around like they did when I was 24. You know? I don't care if he's like 155 <laughs> pounds. I don't care what his body looks like. I just want him to actually sing more. And stay in place. Right. And again, it's not about fat shaming anybody. No. It's about when okay. you're heavy. Look at Pavarotti, you know? You can't <laughs> breathe well. Right. He just stands there and his voice comes out. And right. If, if that's who you are and if that's what you're capable of, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with not being able to deliver the songs. And listen, there's a lot of ways to guys cheat. They detune. They change the keys right. of songs. You know, Robert Plant was one notorious for never singing the melodies he did on the record because they slowed the tapes down when they recorded it so that he could hit the high notes. And then live couldn't really pull off a lot of those little sections. So he came up with other melodies and it was just as entertaining. But this is a whole different topic, you know. It is. And that's what I'm saying. That's the only bummer. It was disappointed. I mean, I'm not going to beat him up about that. But I think the point is I, I would rather have him just stop with the running and sing a little bit more on the stage the band's doing it they already have backup singers doing the backup already and he's, they've got you know he puts his mic out to everybody it feels like everybody's singing there but him you know yeah and you know and listen there's there's about another four or five other bands i saw several video clips of john bon jovi who can't he just can't sing anymore i don't even don know what Dottie. that's about how yeah. can't sing anymore so listen i know it's a tragedy i know it's but don't go out there presenting yourself like you're going to go see a concert and then you can't do what people pay to see you do. And to me, it's just people, they're nostalgic. They want to hear it and they're very loving and they're very supportive of the bands. And listen, I, I, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't get to do what I do. 
Right. But it's it's just I think you know I just don't I don't think it's really uh, doesn't have a lot of integrity to do. Well, that. I think For that. Whatever, <laughs> No. Reading some of these reviews, people are like, oh, they, and they sounded great. I'm like, well, the band sounded good. But to, to be honest with yourself and hear Vince and not hear the difference, I'm like, come on. You know what I mean? It's it's not about bashing. And you know, and, and the fans deserve more is, what, I guess, my point. I didn't say. I had to leave. I couldn't listen to him. I couldn't listen to his voice. Yeah, no. I, listen, it was just it was too pitchy. Again, I, I, would, I, would, I know that he's doing better than he was. Yes. I actually heard him doing better earlier. tells me that if you would have taken this seriously, and believe me, I was in Vegas – he pulled up in his Ferrari on Fremont Street, parked in the wrong, going the wrong direction on the road, like he owned the damn place, goes in, king of excess. And it's just like, I'm just sitting here thinking, while you're doing this, I know 20 guys in bands right now that are working on their elliptical because yep. they got to go on a tour because they wouldn't dare, wouldn't be caught dead going out there and doing a half-ass sort of rendition of their songs because they respect their fans too much. And right. they have that discipline. And I don't want to be a dick because I know that there's – I like Motley Crue and I like – I've had some run-ins with Vince, but I'm not bashing on him for that. I'm bashing on him for just well, – I don't like, think with the effort in I, because I, did, I hate that people uh, – that shamum is not cool or whatever, and I'm not knocking on the band it's and, and the it tunes. It's, it's, it's just about that. being – it's really just about – he was improving his voice. And I and I do believe he has it in him to be a better singer, not the same singer, but to be a better well, singer. No, and I don't feel like he put the work in that the band put in. The rest of the band put the work in. If 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 Mick Mars can be there with all of his diseases and stand there, yep. he's like seventy one, holding his guitar, and he held he held it down. You know. Yeah. No. Listen, and we worked with the same producer. We went in with Bob Rock up to Little Mountain right, right. after you know was the record before it was Doctor Feelgood, and I heard all the stories. Vince. Is not technically the greatest singer, never was. Right, but They've, but he was always a competent, great front man, and yeah. he delivered the songs when he needed to. And again, I, funny thing was, my post got reposted by Stevie, and people are like, start bagging on me, little who? I never heard of your band. It's like it has nothing to do with whether you heard of me or not. That's not the point. I know I sell out. You know, I sell two hundred tickets, and you sell two twenty thousand tickets. That's not the point. That's not the point I'm making. It's um, being the best you can. It's being better prepared. Well, exactly. For sure. It's just a matter of just being other professionals saying, listen, man, this is not good for the industry and our genre in general. And all these people started bagging on me, mentioning Motley Crue. And I'm like, I didn't say a name. So obviously, you know who I'm, what I'm saying and who I'm talking about. And you, so if you want to give them a pass, you can give them a pass. But my point is not, well, nobody knows who I am. So I don't have the right mm -hmm. to point out the facts as they are, you know, whatever. I, you know. I'm disappointed because I was hopeful because he because he actually has a lot of side solo gigs. I figured if he sings that much, uses the muscle, and I'd heard some recent things that sound like he was a little bit better. I'm like, all right, he's got it together. You know, yeah. we're going to hear it. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, well, listen, once you're on a tour, you have a schedule. And if you're not... You know, if, if you're not taking care of your voice before the show and after the show and during the show and you get caught up in what bands like that tend to be famous for getting caught up in, you're not hydrating right, you're not sleeping right, you're not resting your voice, you're doing all this mm -hmm. other stuff and you can't, I mean, I'm a, I have all this anxiety. I'm about to go on the hardest tour schedule I've ever done. Yeah, it looks pretty aggressive. You get harder every year. And I keep being able to pull it off, but it, it's a lot of commitment and discipline. What are you doing for your voice now? Because I know you you don't you also don't sing as high as like the, the Molly Crew screams and Doc, and that's no, one of the problems again, with those guys. You know what? All of that is style and technique. Right, 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 right. People have a natural rate. You can't make your voice do something that's not capable of right. doing. So I was never a big fan of the Brian Johnson started it, Axel Rose perpetuated it, Vince Neil perpetuated it. You know, that's what but you I, lose that range when you get, you lose that range when you get older for most people. That's what the whole point is. Well, but that's what's called singing from your mask. That style is called a mask voice. And that's a like it's a style of singing. And everybody gets older, they lose notes in their range. I've lost like two notes in my range. Fortunately, we did everything in what's called standard tuning, E. So mm -hmm. we did what's a very common practice. We do E tune to E flat. 
after our second record years back because I realized I don't need to beat myself up on this. That gives me one note back in the range. So all the other stuff is a lot of it is just working on your craft to try to get those that note or two back. And then there's just people who have just beat up their voice for so long and didn't take care of it, didn't have the discipline, didn't go to this, do any training or anything to learn how to mitigate the damage like an athlete would that have just caused permanent damage to their voice. Yeah. And you just got to come to terms with that. So for me, it's just, you know, I got to, you know, I have a little nebulizer to put moisture back on my vocal cords now. And it's just all this stuff of just sleeping right and eating right and, you know, speaking quietly during the day. And all of these things are just, it's a discipline. And are you so, practicing singing prior? Like are you doing like. Well, no, we just start rehearsing and then we start to increase our rehearsing rehearsal schedule to mimic shortly before we go to mimic a tour because it's a muscle. Right. That's what I was asking. Muscle, you got to tear it up and let it heal for it to get stronger. That's what bodybuilders do. So you kind of got to get in there and really beat the crap out of it as you start to step up in your regimen to, to get it to be ready for that battle. And then it's, Again, a lot of it is, and I, I, you know, so looking at someone like Vince or whatever, to create this, to possess or project this image of strength and power, your physical stature has to make it look like you're, oh, yeah, you're really on it. But you got to keep all this really loose because you could do 20 rehearsals in a row. And if you're just singing the song like nothing, and then you go to do shows and you're pushing just this much harder. By the second or third night, it's you're like, wow, this is totally different. So there's a whole art to trying to keep everything loose and don't over tighten your vocal box, don't over tighten your muscles, and it it just comes with, like I said, discipline, training, and and performance and rehearsal to to kind of cardio, you know, cardio, yeah, yeah, because that's the other thing when you run out of air. You know, you your whole mechanics of what you do completely changes, and it's really hard to run because I mean, he, he it, actually he is running, he is moving, he's he's working the crowd. He's, I'm not like he's, I'm saying not like he's dying that part in. I'm just saying I don't know if he has it in his voice after all that running to even well, do it. He's listen, you, you carry the extra poundage, yeah. you know, and if but but again, you know, he's out there choosing that being a great front man and putting on a great show is more important than the singing. I come from a different school. I'd rather see Paul Rogers stand there and sound better than he did right. in, in his heyday because he's still working on his craft and perfecting his singing and, you know, sounding as good, maybe even better because he's kind of, you know, matured, so to speak, than see a guy running around. And I get that genre of music is, is about that. But again, you know, Get yourself into shape so you can try to do both. There's millions and millions of dollars on the line here. And if your attitude is not, well, first of all, isn't this like their third farewell tour? You know, like, I actually took a snapshot of the guy in front of me. Never coming back again. So everybody, you better come see us on this tour. You'll never see us again. Three the guy in front of me had a shirt on. It said Motley Crue farewell tour 2015. I took a snapshot of it. I was going to post it because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, you know, that's a, diff that's a different topic also. But, you know, whatever, we're going on and on about this. Uh, it's uh, hard. I, I just, you know, I, I just have too much reverence for the fans and, and, for, and attention to detail for what I do. And I wish, and again, when I made this post on social media, it's because I just talked to so many of the guys that, you know, they're not in Motley Crue level bands, you know, they're in theater sized bands or club sized bands, yeah. you know, and you're like, I'll tell you what, I looked around, it seemed like nobody else nobody. Was, was aware, they're younger, they just, I think everyone had seen the dirt and they, maybe no one had seen them during Dr. Feelgood time and actually well, seen. they're going for the experience, man, they're going to relive the glory of their youth, they're listening to music that's been woven into the fabric of their life, they know going in, if they've seen any videos, they're not expecting Vince to be what he was in 1985, 86, 87. And listen, man, God bless their fans for giving them, loving them anyway and going for that. If they were going for just the music, 
I know my concept of this is I'm I'm too anal and detail oriented because I'm the guy that has to write it, play it, record it, and do all that. So, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the fans for accepting it either. No. But and it is two why, different worlds. That's why it's I different. was kind of generic about this. The group of guys that can't do it anymore and still do it. And I think there's a problem with that. And then there's the guys that are, you know, still, you know, guys I know. That, I mean, geez, like George from Rhino Bucket, he'll do 50 shows in like 56 days. He's a monster. <laughs> like, he is a monster. He's I love a him. machine. He's I a love machine. him. I love and, him. He's you know, best. like, like just like the guys in Junkyard, all these other bands, man. They just, you know, they they they're putting the work in because they they just feel like they owe it to their fans. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, <laughs> how you? So what are we gonna do for this 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 tour list? I mean, so how are you doing? Because now you got the re-releases, so you kind of excited about that. People, more people are gonna be hearing those. You've got to play your hits. Yeah. You probably oh, have yeah, personal no, favorites. And, and, then, and, and, and again, they are greatest misses. Some bands have greatest hits. We have greatest misses. Um, yeah, we we always have the, the inter, inter-band battle of, well, we got to do this, we got to do that. And I'm like, listen, what we should do is we should go to Spotify and we should look and pick the top 10 most down, you know, stream tracks. And those have to be in the set. Okay. From there, we pick songs that then round out the set to make the strongest set possible as a flow and a show. But you got to give people what they want to hear. And I don't care if you're bored with playing it. And I don't care if you really love this other song. We'll try to work those in. But the most important thing is to entertain, you know, to give people what they want. And so, like I said, it's hard when you have eight albums to pick from. You're That's always what I'm saying. Gonna, you know, so... We made sure on this tour to throw out a lot of because you kind of get lazy. You know, it's like, oh, man, we already know all these songs. Let's just put those in and we'll add it. No, let's change up like 50% of it. Because as people come and they see us, I mean, we've got fans that go to six, seven shows in the That's tour. Okay. So, you, so you're going to change it every night? You're going to mix it up a little bit? Yeah, we're going to change it. Mostly the encores, you know, to throw those in there. Um, and, you know, and on the nights when – everything's just magical and we wind up playing even longer or just call something out. But most of it is just to grab some of the really obscure ones that were always fan favorites that labels never got around to putting out as a single, but by the fans overwhelming, you know, support and love of a certain song. It's like, Oh man, you know, if this would have ever been a single, we would have had a better shot at getting more success because it seems like it's just generally loved across the board for whatever reason. Musicians and even record execs are the worst judges of, <laughs> of what's going to be, you know, successful. Well, they're businessmen. Uh, they're bankers. Yeah, that's it. Or they overthink it, you know. So it's it's a common pro- was a common problem in the corporate days for sure, you know. Are you, how are you going to promote these albums? Are you going to be like, you're going to, with, as he's come out, any extra videos, any little promotional things, lyric videos? There's or anything, none of or? that plan because we just, you know, it, it's so hard for us to just fiscally get new releases recorded, made, and videos made. Yeah. For I, I understand. I just almost didn't even know these. It almost escaped me if I wasn't reading so much of the music and the music news and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, well, so, so the average, the casual fan, this will slide right by him. Yeah, well, it is, and that's why we try to promote it through the band website and through my own personal Facebook page and stuff. Um, you know, there was no delusion that all of a sudden uh, a obscure track from 1992 was going to make the band a hit, you know, get on the charts or something. So mm-hmm. this is mostly this was for fans and, and to just try to find a reason to re-release material that gets glossed over. I mean, we... we Put out our, our last album, Eight, which is now like four years old because of COVID, you know. Um, you know, there were you get involved with these smaller companies and they say they're going to do all these things for you and they come out of the gate really strong and they promote one song and the rest of the record is just tossed out and they move on to the next release. And, you know, there's a bunch of songs that we thought were really strong and that we thought, you know, at least our fans and everything we really love. Yeah, that's all this thing. I was going to ask, who's, who's that big boy? Otis. Otis. Yeah. Go ahead, Otis. Take a nap. You're, you're a big boy. 
drunk yet. Make sure <laughs> you get comfortable on that couch. Yeah, he's, he's my master. <laughs> he looks like he's a good boy. Um, he's a very good boy. Um, I think that's the thing with labels. I heard a lot a lot of the newer labels have picked up bands from your genre and, and everything else. Where they're good, you get the album out, it's great, it's exciting. You get four to six weeks of the release it. for backing, they're done. They're either on to their next album with somebody else yeah. and, or you have to do something some, else. That's the shelf life. Some labels that are even more notorious about it than others. I don't have. I'm not going to label. We've already talked about enough labels with yeah, people today. Yeah, right. I, don't, I know who you're talking about, though. I, I don't know, know who exactly. I'm already, already going to get enough you know, pipe bombs and anthrax in my mailbox. But, huh. um, yeah, and, you know, but let's 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 call it what it is. There is there is no revenue in, in hard product anymore. Right. There's only the, the really fanatical fans that will buy actual hard copy product like a CD. So it's all digital release. And, you know, the reality is, is that these companies can't keep their doors open. You know, there's, what are they going to collect? 0.003 cents a stream? You know, how does that make them money? At least when these songs become popular, be it largely or even just within your own fan base, that promotes you people coming out and wanting to hear those songs live, which is mm-hmm. where bands really, it's the only place they can make money now is from merch sales and ticket sales. It's not from the record themselves. And you even hear guys like Gene Simmons and the guys in Aerosmith say, we're never doing another new record again. We put them out. Nobody cares. Nobody buys the damn thing. We go to the shows and all they want to hear is, you know, rock and roll all night and Detroit Rock City and walk this way. And, you know, and so it, it, it becomes this really difficult thing. And, you know, these, these people will always blow smoke up your ass and have all these great ideas. But it comes out of the box and they, they maybe recoup what they have into it, but they don't see... They're too busy talking to the next band because, quite honestly, they're more concerned with their catalog and the next band um, that they can get to sign to their label to try to keep their machinery rolling. They're not thinking about my career as their priority. They're thinking about their entity as a business. Right. Well, I understand, but it just gets incredibly frustrating because, you know, a record shouldn't be one single and maybe one video and then maybe another half-assed attempted at a release and then, you know, screw the other nine or ten songs, you know. So, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it's gone for people where I'm in the type of, I'm in a musical genre that wasn't singles-oriented. We're no. album-oriented, you know. It took like three albums to get going back in the day. Yeah, you know, and records were deep. And, you know, I remember when Garth Brooks refused to have his music on iTunes because they wouldn't, they would separate things to single songs. And he said, no, I'll only sell my album. It's a whole entity that I wrote and it has a sound and it has a purpose and it has a a curation that was made to be a whole. And he fought it for a long time and then he had to give in. (laughs) I don't think I made a choice. You either do it. The machine is so big now with streaming. Yeah, you, even it, it, even Neil Young had to give 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 in. He couldn't. You just can't fight the machine anymore. If you want to have no, music out there, you have to do it somehow. Because yeah. you're hurting your fans really at this point. Because well, again, that's that's the thing. Who who are you, you know, really teaching a lesson to? Right. And you know, you you're going to try to teach a, le- a lesson to a corporation who, quite honestly, has thousands of other bands. Yeah, or your, or your fans who can't access your music. Yeah, or they're just. Trying to, you know, I mean, some of these, some of these businesses, some of these labels are just tax write-offs for other businesses, you right. know, because there's just no money in it, you know. And so, you know, this is where, when guys like in Metallica were screaming about, you know, file sharing and how it was going to kill mm-hmm. the music business, they were visionary. They were kind of douchey about it, <laughs> but you know, but the point that they were making is that you're taking money out of the artist's mouth. And, you know, unfortunately, you're taking money out of the label's mouth. But the weird thing is, is, you know, to be the counterpoint to that is because of social media and the Internet, there's a million new bands that actually get heard where they used to have to try to get a major record deal or a large independent. And, 
you know, a lot of it's crap. A lot of it's great. There's some unmined gems that are out there that people talk about in little circles, but it's made, you know, if it wasn't for that ability to sell your own records and reach out to your own fans, yeah, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the sustainability, you know, we, if we had to wait for, for some label, you know, to, to give us a life. Well, that's the we thing. Can, you know, a lot of bands have with the smaller things now, with the niche audience, you make yeah. more money focused with what you got now. You know, yeah. just like on these flyout dates and this weekend, these great package shows where you're not oversaturating the market. You can fly in, do two shows, Monsters of This, Crews of This, and then a band can fly home to be with their yeah. family. And, and rest. Team, up, we'll team up with other bands and, right. and get more people out because it's a unified thing. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. It, it, it's especially in the United States where, you know, we go to Europe all the time. We're going to start doing fly, flying dates soon. Um, we made a promise to ourselves that we'd start to do that in markets in the U S because, you know, there's people who haven't seen us from 28 years. Some people have yeah. never even seen it. And I've never seen you guys. Fans, huge fans of the band. And it's like, you know, we keep going to Europe because we can do a show and drive three hours and be in a different country, let alone a different state or a different <clears throat> And in the United States, you know, you'll do great Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but then the band's got to pay the bills for the, you know, for the vehicle and the gas or yep. the crew and the motels. And, and some of these, you got to drive, you know, eight, nine hours to get to the next decent market. And it's economically much harder on a band to tour in the United States than it is outside of the U.S. So that's kind of how it turned out that way for us. You know, we, we can go and do, you know, 10 shows in, in the UK that we couldn't do that in Texas, <laughs> you know, there's not enough, not enough markets. So uh, to really hit and get from one major city to another, it's just too expansive of a country. And economically that poses issues. You know? Right. So. Well, and, and the other thing is now what's going on with, with Brexit and everything. It's going to be interesting to see how getting across the countries and the cost of everything, you know? Well, you know, we, we just decided, we just spoke to our UK agent, such as me, put something together for next year for us because between Brexit and COVID and everything else, you know, it, it, it actually affects EU musicians more than us because right. we, we always had to pay for working papers when we went to the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, higher taxes, you want to go do a show in London, they charge you like £100 just to drive into London. There's a, a surcharge. Uh, equipment rentals are more, van rentals are more, just a, you know, and the conversion rate. So we just decided, okay, well, it's going to be even more of a financial burden, but we have to go play to our fans in the UK. We just have to. We can't can't all just be about economics, you know. Uh, sometimes it's what are you going to lose if you don't do something as opposed to what are you going to gain. So Well, the, the label, I mean, the country, and, and I know in the U.S. it's just as bad. The U.S. is like, it's like five to ten grand to get a visa to come over here. Yeah. So a lot no. of those bands can't come and over and, and afford to play a club. Right. And, and you can't mess up on the paperwork. Nope. So, I mean, it's and God forbid hard. if you had any kind of arrest in your country, yeah. even if it's something minor, we had to cancel shows going and we were looking forward to going up into Canada. And one of the guys who was crewing for us, um, had a, had a conviction, you know, for an assault because he caught his girlfriend with a guy and he threw a flower pot and hit him in the head. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we had a great laugh about that, but... Threw her what is that? A, like, that's like a cartoon. Yeah, you know? totally. It's the a flower still on his head, the daisy yeah, yeah, still on the guy's exactly. head. Exactly. Oh. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, with the birds. And yeah, the birds, the little blue birds going around his head, yeah. Yeah, you know, and so... But... but all of that, of course, has been, you know, been cleared right. and everything. It's no, I know. But those you... things we did when we were younger, and they, we, it would take us an extra six weeks to get processed through Canadian immigration. And one of the other bands that we were touring with, the singer had a couple of DUIs. And, you know, guys, fine now. We were just in our youth. He's like driving the bus. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but the but Canadian customs, once you have that immigration, once you have that arrest thing, it's a much more stringent, you know, it's not like we're coming to move here, it's coming up right. for a weekend, you know, but again, these are the things that people don't realize that bands have to go through to come play a show, you know, it, it's, you know, people want to figure out, well, why don't you come play at my town? It's like, right. well, 
you know, or within an hour of my town. And I'm like, well, dude, we don't, we don't have enough fans up in Vermont (laughs) (laughs) to actually make it, you know, to feasible to to do a show. Yeah. So you're going to have to meet us halfway, come down to Boston or something, you know, but that's just, listen, man, bless these people for being so connected to the band and wanting to see us. And, you know, we never lose our patience with with people that kind of keep asking for something. And I can't give it to them. It's frustrating, but I'd love they, to see you come over here in the East Coast, somewhere near uh, near New England. Come on, check yeah. Well, we were supposed to, and then you know, right now it costs almost as much to fly from New York to to from LA to New York as it does LA to London. Really, the flights? Yeah, the tickets to New York are like eight hundred and something bucks, and it cost me eleven hundred to fly all the way over to Amsterdam. It's just the domestic, the domestic fees and everything, and then, then you load up a van and got to drive, and it, you know the gas prices. What? So, we just decided, eh, we got to wait till someone's calms down a little bit before we go fly out and do it. It's just going to be a bloodbath. I, I understand it. I mean, I, I, the expenses. I don't. I can't believe half you guys go out even. Way it is, you know, and then your merch. Well, you, you, know, you guys lose twenty percent of merch at these clubs. Yeah, no, that's and a that's, kick in, that's a kick in the shins, you know. It totally is, and and just all of it. It's 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 a big old crapshoot. You get one flooding weekend or one, you know. I mean, we did a, a tour in the UK, and it was the worst snowstorm they had had in like forty years, and we were literally following the salt trucks up the highways. Because they have the plow and the salt to get to the next town to basically show up and get paid. We played to eight local people because nobody could get in their car and drive. But the tour was a total bust. And it was planned for, you know, six, eight months. But you get one bad run of weather. And nowadays with climate change, some of the crazy things going on, it's a real, and and especially with COVID. See, because the other problem is, is that all of these promoters or venues or talent bars at these venues, these people, I'm amazed they're even still in business, let yeah. alone. So the band calls up and says, well, um, okay, we, we want, you know, uh, $1,800 guarantee or $2,500, depending on right. the band, $5,000 guarantee, whatever it winds up being, for whatever level of band we're talking about. And the talent buyers like, so wait a minute, you want me to guarantee you 1800 bucks? so that the typical business is I send you 900 bucks as a deposit so that you guys can get everything lined up so you can make it out to this show and you get the other 900 when you show up and it'll sit in an escrow account, whatever, people are protected. But they basically are, you know, they're the ones that have way more skin in the game than the actual band by putting out that kind of money and now the venues are saying, well, listen, I'll guarantee you, you know, 1200 bucks, but I'll give you a much bigger percentage of the door. So you have the chance of making 2500 by the 1800 All you have to do is pack the place. And what I'm saying is I will pay you commensurate to how good the night is going to be. And That's the band's like, kind of, kind well, of fair. It, it, it would seem, but the band on the other side counters with, yeah, but you don't have to get the vehicle and the crew and the flights and all this stuff up front, which you can't just put this together in five minutes. Right. I got to do all this stuff months in advance and I got to commit to all these things. And both the venue and the band agree that if there's one big outbreak of COVID and the city puts some mask mandate or occupancy limit which was happening you yep. know to recently there goes the whole show for everybody so it hasn't quite gotten worked out yet of who should bear more more of those risks and how does that wind up becoming equitable um you know the venue hey listen if they protect themselves and don't pay anywhere near as much front guaranteed and they have a great night they make a lot of money but on the front end, whether if the doors are open for and ten people show up versus the doors are open and a thousand people show up, they still had to staff it. They still had the beer. They still right. had the lights. They still had the, so they don't have as much skin in the game on that side of it. So 
again, this is one of those disruptive things that happened during COVID that really hasn't gotten worked out yet that a lot of bands. And then the other big thing is, is now all the bands that stayed home for two years, they're all on the road. They're all trying to get back out there for their fans. They're all trying to make money again. They're all trying to, and now you got to book a tour over a year out because all the venues are totally booked. I heard the vans are too. The vans and the buses are, are kind of tied yeah, up too. Yeah, there's not, and well, that and, you know, a lot of people liquidated their, their, you know, their fleets of like vans and all this stuff during COVID because they got a tax break and then, and they, you know, and just like they sort of, it's a supply chain issue. You keep hearing that yeah. sort of thing, but it's all of these disruptions in a business that was disrupted because of so many things to begin with economics, downloading, streaming, you know, all this sort of thing where, you know, the music business has kind of been reeling for years as to how do we find new ways of generating revenue? And, you know, look at Bruce Springsteen, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's, I mean, I feel sorry for him that he's getting a bad rap. Um, there's uh, things a lot of outside of his control on the way these ticket prices go and how Ticketmaster works and all these other things. But there's also other things that he's been called out on that he's got to own, <laughs> you know. Well, I think um, he, he has some control over some of those prices. Those prices could be a little bit lower. He's got enough money. Yes, he's got enough money. See, that's a very socialist way of looking at music. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, I, I just I go further. I don't feel like I should take away from anybody by saying he has enough money where everyone's getting paid, and a lot of other artists aren't even able to do no, that. I say that not as a political thing. No, no, no. But I think the problem yeah, is, it's, 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 thing. but listen, every single band comes across some set of circumstances where they have to define if they're really who they say they are. And a guy like Bruce Springsteen, who's put out mass numbers of records talking about being there for the working, working class. Right. That's, that's my point. Considering a guy that is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire 10 times over. If the guy really wanted to do something that was as protest-like as he is as in his music, he could have probably figured out some new way using his girth, weight, influence, and ability to break the grip of some of this scalping bullshit. Right. But chose to just blame it on other entities and go with the flow. Well, that's my point. Is he, has, he has enough to survive, so he could push back and, he could. and help his fans that can't afford yeah. $300, $400 a ticket to see one yeah, artist play. Listen, his fan base are, you go see Billy Joel sold out 28 nights a row. I know he's, it's crazy. There's not many 60 year old, you know, piano players, poverty level people whose main priority is to go here and sing piano. Man. It's people who are, they've made a life for themselves. Right. And they're middle class or upper middle class and they treat themselves or it's just, you know, we can go to the Cape for the weekend, or we can go get box seats for Billy Joel. Let's, you know, I can put my kids in college, or I could go see Bruce Springsteen. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, and and that's you know, like Rolling Stones, they have these like limited edition jackets that are six hundred bucks. It's, but people buy it because, well, I I've, I've been a fan of the Stones ever since I was in dentistry school. Well, obviously, you now are a dentist and you're doing quite well. You can afford the jacket. <laughs> because between the tickets, the jacket, and the dinner, the parking, and the babysitter, you are deep into your pocket, dude. Yeah. There's no doubt. You are. You know? crazy. And unfortunately, that's made it a very, uh, you know, live music is almost becoming elitist, you know, on the big show level of things, just, you know, financially. So, you know, whatever, man. But it's one of those things that, you know, if I was 24 years old, I'd be freaking out that I got to find, you know, that's why so many 24s are becoming app developers and not musicians. You know, they're not chasing the dream of being a musician anymore. They'd rather be a social media influencer and an app developer. Because the that's new rock stars up, now are Jeff Bezos and Kim Kardashian. You know, tell me, tell me one rock star. I don't mean a pop star, but a rock star in his mid-20s that is socially or commercially relevant on a level from any that would compare to anyone in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. One. I, Thank, I you. Thank, I, you I, play, I, Thank you for playing our game. Do I get a prize? Do I just get a prize? Yeah, no, what you get is the revelation that this isn't 
rock and roll music is not culturally anywhere near as culturally relevant as it was. In, I'm aware of that. That's what this, the show is about, is, is know, reminding know. people. I right. remind people about it. That's yeah. what we go to. People, I want people to buy your merch, go to the shows. This is what this is about. This is Yeah, and keep these venues open if you want to keep music yeah. alive. Go to the, the shows. Sounds, I know it sounds kind of token, but no. that, that's the reality. And I got to tell you, when, when we go to shows, and it, first of all, it's a reality check because like we look around and it looks like we're playing at the Gandalf convention because it's all dudes with beards, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're like, wow, this is really, you know, playing to a whole bunch of. Hello, of the rings. It's a LARPing. It's like a LARPing event. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Man, I remember when they used to, I mean, we were never a band that tons of cute girls followed to begin with because of the biker thing, but. Yeah, whatever. But then we look out, we see some pretty girls, and we find out, well, it's the daughters of the wizards that showed up. You You shall not pass, Ron. Right. And so they come out, and they're, you know, they're all like, oh, my God, I grew up listening to your music because my dad played it all the time. And they're real fans of music because they were raised by people who are real fans Mm -hmm. of music. And I do everything I can to make them feel welcome and appreciated and you know, throw them a shirt, you know, it's like, wear this thing, but just keep telling your friends how great music is, but it's become this more limited, cultural, passionate thing. I mean, music now, and this goes back to, you know, that sort of whole thing where, you know, there's amp companies, only the best are going to survive. There's not enough people buying amps to keep all these companies in business, but it's getting to the point that if you like guitar based rock and roll music, um, you have to approach it the way a ballerina approaches or a photographer or a sculptor. If you're doing it because you think you might, if you're doing it for the fame and adoration and money, you really need to look at something different because there's maybe, maybe it used to be 1% that used to be able to make it to that level. Now it's like 0.1%. And, and I get it, you know, there's genres that if you're in a metal band, you might, metal has grown and kept growing and growing because quite honestly, that music has stayed. Um, it's relevant. It's relevant. It's more true to pure emotion, pure anger, pure energy, you know, and put it this, that that is that was never commercially in in the corporate sense ever really viable you know com- metallica you know they got no airplay <laughs> eventually they yeah. wanted to become one of the world's yeah. biggest bands but it wasn't because mtv was playing their ballad you know in between right. slaughter and Warren. you know so you know that kind of proves the whole that whole music genres model as being so unique that and it stayed true to it that there's all mm-hmm. these festivals and all these things and you know so there's you know guys had a better chance being in a metal band than they are there's no more aor radio that's getting massive what's, what's radio i didn't even listen to radio yes terrestrial radio you i know. listen to that i just listen to music off my streaming or my cds i have serious um because my wife I does curate, I, feel like I can so. curate my own my own styles and my musical styles are so across the board that I can jump jump from a Hank Williams track to a Sex Pistols track right. to the Vivaldi Four Seasons track, you know, <laughs> just by seeing it on my screen in my car. But you know, but it's it's really crazy times, and and you know, it, it's like I'm still putting up the good fight. You know, I always say that. You know, it's it, and it's true. I don't, I don't disagree that it's much easier for in my position to make statements about guys like Vince Neil, who you know are very rich and very successful, and you know all this sort of stuff. It's easy from the cheap seats, you know, in the same way. I think it's it's an easy thing because people are actually would like to see him do better because they would like to see the music because they enjoy the music. In a way, it's almost flattering because they see the band doing okay and playing well. They'd like him to be along with them so they yeah. can enjoy the performance. It's, and, it's, you, you know, know. <laughs> and it's also, it's, you know, I'm not one. Listen, I was never a big Motley Crue fan. That's just not my, quite honestly, very few of the bands, if any, in that genre of music, of air metal, 
did I own any of their records? I came up during that period, but that's not pop-based, non-blues-based music. Um, was never my thing. And quite honestly, the whole over-the-top hair and clothing and makeup and all that, again, not my thing. I didn't bag on it. I wouldn't bag on it this day. It's just not in my record collection where I'd pull it up before I would a Zeppelin track or a Rage right. Against the Machine track or anything else. Um, and never in my career would I ever bag on, I mean, quite honestly, other than a few very technically proficient guitar players, a lot of the singers weren't great singers, weren't great drummers. They weren't like known to be the way the who was musically or led zeppelin where everybody played 10 instruments and we're we're instrument you know we're, we're right. arrangers and producers and all stuff it, it was pop metal and so it was you know so not my particular cup of tea but there are people that they love that music and they sold millions of records for millions of people and they're culturally yeah. re relevant and i would never bag on them for any reason other than you're not doing what's best for the fans or all of us music in general by being the representatives of this and i say that about paul stanley singing along to tracks it's not even paul singing anymore it's like seven-year-old guys in silly outfits lip-syncing they have more money than god it's just like you might as well just have puppets doing the damn thing up there or hire other guys if you're going to wear your silly makeup and you don't even know it's you after the third row. Isn't that, aren't the they working on that? Anymore, I think he's know? already working on that, right? They're going to replace the numbers. I think that's one of the plans. Yeah, well, Gene is, is a creature unto himself, um, but it, I, I don't know. I, it's like I just, for me, I'm just trying to keep reaching out if i can reach 10 more people a week than i did a year ago then you know there's right. no delusions i'm going to all of a sudden be on the cover of a magazine again other than a classic rock mag or something right. um and i'm not going to get rich doing this but i can't see doing anything else that makes me feel as good as it is and i got a bunch of other guys in the bands that feel the same exact way and we go out to make it for people who feel the same exact way and I'm 100% blessed to get to do it. And whether that's in a club for 100 people or a club of 1,000 people, um, or if I get asked to play on a festival where there's 10,000 people, we're generally in the on in the afternoon. We're not up there with those other bands. But it just bugs me when those other bands aren't even playing. They're not even singing or whatever it is. And it's like, really? <laughs> you know? Well, that's the problem. The bands I played before you. Probably... The, the link for the website. Uh, you've done some work on the website. Website looks really good. Yeah, so yeah. The band. Yeah, we got the merch. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. I'm digging it. You know, I oh, checked it out. You. I like it. Lots of knots of music. If you haven't been paying attention on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon, lots of re-releases. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. You see the band. Support the band. Always support the band. Please. Please. Ron, I want to thank Please. you very much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Sean. We'll have you back again. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about.